Well, good morning again and welcome, uh, especially if you are new here this morning or if you're visiting maybe for the first or second time, I especially want to welcome you. Uh, and just to catch up, last week or uh, over the last three weeks, we have been in a five-week sermon series titled What We Do Together. And that's what we're going to continue with this morning. And the way that was brought about is over the last year, our rector, Roger, has been meeting with many of you simply to connect and get to know you. And one of the things that has come up in the conversations are questions about different aspects of our time of worship here on Sunday mornings. Uh, We have talked about uh, the church year, the calendar year. We've talked about Holy Communion last week. Uh, we heard about offering, and this week we are going to focus on, on singing. And these are just things that we do together as a church, the different rhythms that help us. And as we dive into that this morning, uh, I do want to mention that after the service, if you have questions about any of these subjects that uh, we bring up or any of these topics or any comments, just let us know. We'd love to talk to you about that. Uh, But before we continue, let me pray for us one more time. Oh God, by your grace, grant that your word may be truly preached and truly heard. Lord, by your spirit, will you fashion our lives according to the example of your Son and grant that that we may show the power of your love to all among whom we live through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Richard Stearns, uh, is pictured here, is the, or was the president of World Vision. And uh, about a year after the big earthquake in Haiti, he uh, told a story about the refugee camp. It was uh, a big you know, camp of different tents. Uh, and they had built a big tent that was used for worship. And it, had duct, it was made of duct tape and it was made... Uh, of tarps, and Sunday morning he went in there as they were worshiping, and he noticed that on the front row there were uh, a group of people from age 6 to 60 that were all amputees. Uh, They may have been sitting on the front just because it was a better way to uh, see from there. And he noticed that as they were worshiping and as they were singing, that they were praising God, they were lifting their prayers, their worship was full of hope. It was with thanksgiving to the Lord. And he said that uh, there was one woman that he noticed that was singing louder than everyone else. She was praying more fervently. It was a woman named Demosi, a 32-year-old unemployed single mother of two who during the earthquake and the collapse of a building lost her Uh, one of her arms and legs. They were crushed and had to be amputated. But what she was doing that morning is she was leading the choir. She was leading the prayers. She was standing on her prosthetic leg and lifting her one hand and singing in high praise to God. Christians, we are made to sing. God has made you, He has made me to sing. Good voice, bad voice, halfway voice, only singing in the car kind of voice. He has made you and He has made me to sing. We are called to sing. We sing in sorrow, we sing in 
joyful circumstances. We sing in confusion. We sing with questions. We sing with praise. We sing to uh, uh, memorize. We sing with joy. We sing to dance. We sing to our Lord. And singing is all through Scripture. We see singing in the Old Testament. God's people sang in remembrance at various feasts. Remember the 40 years in the desert. We're commanded in the New Testament to sing. God, as we heard this morning, God calls us to sing. The Psalms are an entire book of songs. Angels sing. We sing in our worship services. We sing in our small groups. We sing in our staff meetings. We sing. So it's important this morning that we look at that subject, singing. Why do we sing? Well, we sing this morning, and I'm going, to look at, I'm going to break this into three points, and I do want to give credit to Bob Coughlin. He is a pastor who, um, who I read an article, and this is how he broke it up, and I really liked it, so I'm going to use these headings. We sing to remember God's Word, we sing to reflect God's glory, and we sing to respond to God's grace. We, we remember God's Word. We reflect God's glory and respond to God's grace when we sing. Remember, reflect, and respond. So let's jump in this morning. First, we sing to remember God's Word. Now, in our New Testament reading this morning in Colossians 3, Christians are called to sing as a way to discipleship, to remember Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, it says, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. So what is it telling us? Well, it's telling us and instructing us that we meditate on God's word, we teach God's word, and we sing the word of God. It sows it into our hearts, it sows it into our memories We sing it every Sunday or any Sunday that we do the Lord's Supper and the Sanctus. Holy, 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 we proclaim who God is. That's from Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah is uh, giving us a picture of the throne room, of God sitting on the throne in difficult, difficult circumstances. Basically, he's saying God's still on the throne even though King Uzziah's died. And what has happened is that there is praise going on. It's like a big football game. I don't know if they still do this, but when I was in high school, if there was a basketball game, we would kind of go back and forth at each other. One side would cheer, and the other side would cheer. It was almost a a call and response back and forth to each other. Well, that's what's happening in Isaiah. That's what's happening when we sing the Sanctus this morning. In Isaiah... It, it tells us and it says that he is holy. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. We sing, we proclaim his glory, and it helps us remember who he is. It reminds us who he is so we can repeat them again and again and again. So we can use them when we worship. We can use them when we pray. We can use them in the moments that are dark, like Jesus did. His last words on the cross were from a song, from Psalm 22. 
Why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We sing to remember. Proverbs 7 says, Keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. And to insight, you are my relative. So how do we bind them on our fingers? How do we write them on the tablets of our hearts? Well, we sing them. We sing to remember the word of God. His faithfulness. His, the truth of his word. The beauty of grace, the difficulty of understanding the wrath of God. All of these we sing to understand Him. We sing to worship Him. We sing to remember the God of Word, uh, the Word of God. God has made us to be able to sing and remember. I can sit here and I can ask you what you had for breakfast yesterday, and you probably can't tell me. But I can ask you what the lyrics to Gilligan's Island are, and you could probably sing them right now, couldn't you? We sing to remember. In an article in the New York Times entitled, In One Ear and Out the Other, Natalie Angier examines the limited power of human memory. She points out that the memory, the formation of memory, helps explain how the brain has has this strong propensity to organize information in these patterns that we see in music. That in music, in neuroscience, there's this repetition, this mnemonic device when we sing that causes a child, if we told them their ABCs, it would be virtually impossible to remember. But in the cadence and the rhythm of singing the ABCs, In this formation, in these melodic phrases, a preschooler can learn them with ease. We sing to remember God's Word. If you want to remember God's grace, then I bet you could sing Amazing Grace right now. If I want to tell you about my wondering, I could tell you, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. When my heart wonders, when your hearts wonder, it reminds us the truth of God's word. In other words, the hymns, the choruses we sing, combined with scripture truths, with these beautiful melodies, they teach us things that will not be easily forgotten. So what is the application? Well, I would say to Christ the King, to you, to me, sing. Sing often, sing songs of scripture, sing them in your car, sing them in your house, sing them to your children, sing them to your grandchildren, sing them to your own heart. Play them in your small group. My first staff meeting here, I sat down and we were in the office here and Roger, <laughs> Roger walks in and he's just smiling and he sits down this cylinder speaker and he just starts playing music. And it brought my heart in and it brought me to focus. Then we began to pray. And I thought, man, I'm so glad he did that. We sing to remember the truth. We were singing to remember God's word. We also sing to reflect God's glory. Little girl singing her reflection there. 
in the mirror. We sing because we reflect God's glory. We reflect who He is, what He has done, the promises He will keep. In Psalm 138, it says, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretched out your hand the wrath of my en- against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. It's reflecting God's glory, the God who's the protector, the God who is sovereign, the God who sits at the right, or who Jesus sits at the right hand of God the Father, the God who sent the only Son, Jesus Christ, that we might have life. Friends, this is why it is important to have good theology in our music. And I just want to pause and say that our worship team does a great job of this. And they do a great, great job of not being worship leaders, but being lead worshipers. I was in a conference about 20 years ago, and it was in Nashville, Tennessee. And they were all, you can imagine, all the musicians and how good they were. I was not one of them. I was just at the conference. And this pastor, Scotty Smith, said, remember... You're not worship leaders, you're lead worshipers. You are worshiping. It's important how we worship, it's important what we read and what we say in worship. We need truth so we can accurately reflect who God is as we see Him in Scripture. Reflect who we see Him in Scripture. It is important. There's a song... There are songs that I love that may have a verse or two that I think I think that would be better if we changed that because that's not, that's not the truth. So it's important to accurately reflect who God is and who we see in scriptures. Paul likens us to shining stars. We reflect the glory of God. We reflect the glory of God like the moon reflects the sun. Or the planets are reflected by the sun, depending on how much of the sun's reflection they, they put off. That's what we are like. We are not the glory itself, but we ne- merely reflect the glory of God. Singing is a way to reflect God's glory. We don't produce it, but we sing forth of he, who He is and what He has done. The idea that in order to have good singing is to hire 10 professional musicians with degrees and post-degrees and record contracts and smoke machines and dimming lights and flashing lights and things that just make us feel good in the movement, that is false. Now, don't get me wrong. It is good to work hard. It is good to hire good musicians, but friends, we are called to worship the living God, the God for who He is as He is revealed in Scripture. And that's what I experience here at Christ the King. So we remember, we reflect, and we also respond. We sing to respond to God's grace. In Ephesians 2, the Apostle Paul reminds the church 
that we have one thing to boast about. He says this, For grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. It's his doing. We respond to God's grace, like the picture of the prodigal son up there. Responding to the grace of his father. He's lost it all. He's spent it all. He's wrecked his life. But he responds to God's grace. He runs home, the father's grace and mercy. Or like King David, after he was convicted of the sin of adultery, he wrote Psalm 51. It says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. A song in response to God's grace. John Newton, a man who was heavily involved in England's slave trade, convicted by the Holy Spirit, broken of his own sin, found his heart being convicted and he repents of his sin. Then he begins fighting against the very slave trade that he supported, that he Gained income off of, then writing a hymn of God's grace. The grace that was shown toward John Newton. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. We respond by singing about the grace that God has showed to us. Ann Graham Lotz, the daughter of Billy Graham, tells a story when she was 17 years old. She was driving too fast away from her home, and she and her neighbor got into a wreck. All that day, she was wringing her hands, worried about having to tell her father. She tiptoed around her father all day at the house, not wanting to say anything. And finally, she says she saw her father. She looked at him. There was this long pause She didn't even say anything. She just ran and grabbed him around the neck. And she said, Dad, it was me. It was my wreck. I'd driven too fast. I smashed into the neighbor's car. It wasn't her fault. It was mine all along. And then she says she began to weep on her shoulder. And her dad said four things. He said, Anne, first of all, I knew about your wreck all along. Miss, uh, Miss Pickering came straight up the mountain right after you hit her. Then he said to her, I love you. And he said, we can fix the car. You're going to be a better driver because of this. Those are the four things that Billy Graham said to his driver, to his daughter. He didn't say, get it together. He didn't say, once you get it together, you can come see me. He acted like the father in heaven. He acted like the father of the prodigal son. He acted like a Christian who had been rescued by grace. We respond in song to God's grace. She goes on to say, and Graham Lotz, that sooner or later we're all going to be in a wreck. And now she's speaking metaphorically. Maybe it's a car wreck. Maybe it's something you feel like is wrecking your life. Maybe it's something you've done that you feel like is wrecking others' lives. But the hope we find is the hope in Jesus. The hope that we can always go back. The hope that when we lose it, when we fall, we get to say, we don't have to say, oh my gosh, I've got to tell my father. We get to say, I get to tell my father, the one who is full of grace 
and compassion, the only one that can redeem me, the only one that can draw me back to himself, the only one that can give me rest, the one who knows every in and out of my heart, every good and bad deed, everything I do, have done, will do. He knows this Father in heaven, and he has sent Jesus to the cross for my sin. And now I respond by singing of his grace as we repent, as we come back to him, the forgiving embrace of our heavenly Father once again. So question, how has God shown his grace to you, friends? Maybe in small ways, maybe in big ways. I was yesterday, I was, I was stressed out yesterday. I had a lot going on and uh, Mercedes, my wife, uh, gently I can't, you know, said to me, you know, I was thinking about what you said this morning. And, you know, I was thinking about Israel and I was thinking about Ukraine and I was thinking about how much the Lord has just blessed us. You know, and it just kind of brought my eyes back into perspective. The grace of God, friends, the Lord has shown us much, much grace. You and me, us. He has shown us much grace, and we are to tell that story in song. We respond in singing with God's grace. I mean, remember the story at the very beginning, the woman in Haiti, the amputee who was leading the choir, raising her one hand in worship. She had the devastating injuries. Well, the story continued, and it said this, despite losing her job, her home, and two limbs, she said she is deeply grateful because God spared her life on January 12th last year. She said this, this woman, He brought me back like Lazarus, giving me the gift of life. She said, I believe I survived this devastating earthquake for two reasons, to raise my little girls and to serve the Lord just a few more years. Have mercy. <laughs> so convicting. That attitude. Friends, this is why we sing. Because of this good God who is sovereign and has control of it all. The good, the bad, and the ugly. We remember, it helps us remember God's word as we sing. We can remember his promises, his deeds. Songs are like Ebenezer's. You remember when the Israelites crossed the Jordan River, they built an Ebenezer. This pile of rocks to remember our songs are our Ebenezer. And we reflect God's glory. We are a mirror. We sing words that he says. We sing words that tell of the truth about him. And we respond to God's grace, the mercy that we have been shown. We respond to that in song. It's a gift from God to be able to sing. You have the gift of singing. You may not have the, tone, the gift of tone, but you've got the gift of singing, friends. Because this is what God calls us to do. So let our voices rejoice as we continue to sing, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. But first, let me close us with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace and mercy. And we pray that our hearts may know it, receive it, may sing it. That we may love those around us with this same grace and mercy that we have been shown. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.